0: hey guys welcome to the show I'm your host Jeremy Marriott now today on the show we have director Jordan Prince right now Jordan is a WA boy he is actually filming a feature film at the moment down in Albany Western Australia called Before Dawn which is uh, a World War One story obviously being a veteran myself I'm really excited to see this film now Jordan is quite young for a director and he's got such an interesting story about this film and about his film career in general. So buckle up and we'll get Jordan on the show. Welcome to the show, Jordan. How you doing?
1: I'm good, mate. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Um, for our listeners out there, if you could just update uh, with them with what you do and, and what you're up to now.
1: Yeah, so I'm a uh, producer-director um, here in Perth and essentially came out of doing uh, what was coined WA's largest independent feature film, which was The Deccan Depraved. It was a Western movie and made a lot of short films in high school, which kind of launched my career. And, um, yeah, now I get to wake up every morning doing what I love to do, which is going out and being creative and making movies.
0: That's amazing. So these, these movies that you're making, are these the genres that you enjoyed? When you were growing
1: yeah, up, yeah. Look, when, when I grew up, so I mean, I'm 24, and a lot of people might find it hard to believe, but I used to watch you know, as an eight-year-old eight, eight year old kid, I used to watch John Wayne, the old Brenner, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson, you know, the old magnificent seven through to your black and white, well-beyond John Wayne movies. So, um, I was a very different kid, <laughs> you could say, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, um, I guess. The magic behind the old cinema, and the way they pulled things off, the way they did it, and the fact that they didn't use a lot of CGI to um, essentially tell these stories on screen. So I was drawn to that as a kid, and I guess that's kind of where the passion started. And um, yeah, and then bit by bit, I mean, I, in year three, I used to run around at, um, at lunchtime with a handy cam and like film fellow classmates reenacting, you know, scenes from a John Wayne film. And um, yes, I've always really loved that old style of filmmaking, I guess. But at the end of the day, for me, it's the fact that if I can make a Western film, a war film, a true story, um, stories that need to be told, that's kind of where I'd I'd like to go. Um, But yeah, look, at the end of the day, as long as I get to have some, you know, stuff blowing up in a movie, it's going to be good fun.
0: Yeah, explosions are always, always good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah so you from a very early age then this was going to be your purpose and you found it. yeah
1: look I was originally going into customs um which uh yeah you know my parents absolutely love because you know it's a government paying job Mm it comes with all benefits that and um yeah but I always had that passion for filmmaking that passion for storytelling and when I hit uh, yeah, when I hit year eight in high school, went to Swan Christian, and um, the media teachers there said, "No, no, you don't have to go to America. You can actually study that, you know, study film here in Western Australia. There's mm-hmm. you know WAPA, um, ECU, the various other unis, etc." And um, overnight, that was it. You know, I was going to be a filmmaker. Went home, told my parents I was going into film um you know which was a bit of a shock for them at first um you know going from customs to filmmaking which is a creative industry which uh is not always stable at times mm. financially so, uh, but you know i had it all figured out told them you make family movies first and then you do this and that and they, i had no idea what i was talking about of course so i was just trying to sell it um and but yeah it was overnight that was it i was going to be a filmmaker and I made a couple short films, which one of my friends said, I should enter into a few film festivals and it started winning stuff like all around the world. And then the next one really launched, it was not their boots, which is when, when over East Um, Jack Thompson, for instance, uh, got to meet at Byron Bay and he gave me some mentorship and whatnot. And that's kind of then when it was like, yeah, this is, I'm in the right uh, industry. This is what I want to do. yeah, it just went nuts from there, really.
0: Because that was a war. <coughs> that was a war movie, also, wasn't it? Not their boots.
1: Yeah, it was like a, it was very different in the way that I wanted to show the um, the Australian leaving for war, the Japanese leaving for war, the um, you know leaving for war. So it was all the fact that we've got all these um, youth, essentially the innocence of youth, but not a lot of, I guess. Uh, high school films. When they make war films, they want to do you know shooting the guns and all that. And went, well, what about when they're actually leaving? What about the the family side of it and yeah. those sorts of things? War. So, yeah, I got I made that, and apparently that was a very good movie. Won a lot of awards with it, which was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, the human story. You know, you wouldn't see that from from a young movie maker. You'd see all the action kind of stuff, I guess.
1: Yeah, and that's that kind of uh, yeah. When I, I mean, I was quite happy as well in the fact that I submitted that for my uh, ATAR, my Year 12 ATAR, mm-hmm. um, and my waste, which was great. You know, as a Year 12, that was great. And I thought that was the peak. I have got 100% media production. You know, and um, and essentially that's because I'm still waiting for someone to, you know, get 100% in their waste and media as well. But mm-hmm. um, that hasn't happened in Australia. <laughs> Um, But I thought that was the peak. I went, this is the peak. You know, I've done it. And, yeah, and then went to Byron Bay. um, They had the Young Australian Filmmaker Awards. And then it just went, won, like, the Corona Fastnet Film Festival in Europe. So it just went nuts very quickly. And from that... I guess was then, right, this is, this is it. Now I can walk into uh, you know company and say, look, this is a short film I'm, I've done. Here's a few other short films. Now I want to move on to making a feature. Um, and that's where, yeah, really, you know, I guess Deccan the Brave feature film wise launched my feature film career. Mm-hmm. But if we go back to of all the short films I did, I think it was Not Their Boots was the one that really kind of put me out there, put the name on the map, um, statewise anyway or at least within you know uh, for sponsors and businesses and all that to notice me um, that was I guess the key point the one that really uh, launched my you know launched my career so to speak
0: and uh, I know you're filming down down south what's the what's the movie you're doing down there
1: yeah so the film where I'm working on at the moment so it's before dawn um, it's based on true events of West Australian Anzacs and the Deccan and the brave, you know, came up with that idea, um, wanted to do a Western back in high school. But before that, um, I re- I did this school project and I got to read all these diary entries of the, the 44th Battalion, uh, mm-hmm. the West Australian Battalion. And there was some of these events that I was reading, like it was just, it was insane that we hadn't seen them on screen to the point that you know an audience would probably sit there and go, "Oh, that's you know over the top. They've just done that for the sake of you know the sake of filmmaking." And it's like, "No, nah, that actually happened." Yeah. You know, and so when I read these, and I even started speaking to some of my teachers about it, and even some of my friends talking about Jack Onash and you know Polygon Wood, Minson's Ridge, which are some of Australia's greatest military victories, and they had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, "Well, that was then." The the driving point for me to say, look, I, I've got to tell this story, and ideally, I would have loved to have done that before the deck and deprave. But looking back at it now, I'm so glad I've done it this way around because deck and deprave was purely for us to, you know, say, look, this is what we can do with no money. It was never meant to go as big as it did or have the one year, police <laughs> and all that. That was great because it means it's so much easier to pull this one off. But Before Dawn is now so, so much bigger, the sets. So we are filming down in Esperance mm-hmm. and you stand there and you look at, say, one of the sets, which is Menzen's Ridge. And it's as far as the eye can see is just the western front. Um, we've got the Australian Trench, which has been built to scale. So you've got the front line, the second line, the reserve lines, um it's Yeah, and it is quite eerie as well, especially when you're out there, you know, late in the evening with the construction team who are working on the sets and then when it goes all quiet and you can't see anything but no man's land, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very, very different experience, I guess, is the way of putting it. And so, yeah, once we get, you know, 150 extras out there all in uniform, it's going to be quite surreal, that's for sure.
0: So you have, you have started filming or are you still in pre-production?
1: No, nah, still pre-production. So we were we, look, we were filming June 1st this year is mm-hmm. when we went to film. Of course, then COVID-19 came along yeah, and so that kind of postponed things. But, you know, in a way it's, you know, look, uh, it's still, it's it's been, you know, it's sad that we're not down there filming. You know, it's sad mm-hmm. that I'm not down there with 500 people. But, you know, uh, now that things are getting back to normal, we're busier than ever. We've now got more sp- sponsors that have come on board um i mean the earthworks company said that that would make the film sets bigger and i said no they're big enough you're going to drive to get to the other side so i don't want them any bigger um but that's the support that we've got we had a huge amount of support before and now with us postponing and you know we we're not filming till june 1st next year because we need to have that uh, where it's overcast, needs to be the appropriate weather, etc. Um, but we've got even more support now, the fact that we postponed, and we're even filming um, up north in Kew, and that's going to be some of the sheep herding scenes, you know, around the Kew sandstone region and whatnot, uh, where the station, where he came from, the lead, lead uh, character. And um, there's one scene in that, for instance, which we need 500 merino sheep. So we're yeah. taking 500. 500- no sheep up north to film in the because there's no sheep up there. So
0: yeah, not um, only, I think they got rid of their sheep uh, like 50 years ago.
1: Yeah, they did. They did. So and you know, our film set that that scenes back in nine nineteen, in that first scene uh, and whatnot. So we're going <laughs> well. We need the sheep, and there has to be merinos, mm-hmm. and there's not that merinos. Well, there's no sheep around the Midwest region whatsoever. Um, but Uh, in saying that the station that we came across is just like it's like you've stepped back in time they've got the old um the sheep pens all made out of the tree wood which is like hard as a rock. and it's just yeah it was like we had built that set film which we haven't um but then the station for instance we're partly building that too so there's a lot of A lot of set construction going into this film. That's, I mean, last week we had five kilometres of wood delivered to Esperance just for Hmm. one of the sets. Hmm. So, yeah, we're talking. That's like this much. (laughs) Uh,
0: I think from my my memory that uh, a lot of the troops left left from Albany or Esperance from from yeah they left.
1: Also, like the Fremantle docks and all that as well. But um, look, a lot of without giving too much of uh, the film away, a lot of
0: No spoilers. Films,
1: they, yeah, no spoilers. But they um essentially go from the you know they're at home, then they show the journey. Then there's the you know they they're the fish out of water in the in you know the regiment or in the mm. you know battalion. And then and it goes through and it's the same sort of structure where we've gone well no we want to tell it straight as it is out of the diaries. Um, the hardest thing with this film was you know taking all these diaries which all different people and then linking them all together and yep. have one person one of it, you know and, and you'd see them all linked but it was like a 300 page script you know which wow. you can't five hour movie so that was the hardest part condensing it all but it we wanted it like well no this is just that's reaccount. account they left uh the station bang there at the front and away we go you know it's the story of the man it's not the um we want it to be really realistic for people to kind of sit and go, well, that's actually what it was like. So there's going to be stuff which people, you know, audiences aren't going to sit there in some scenes and think that this is, you know, uh, we've created that for the purpose of storytelling, or that's Mm. a bit, you know, off or whatever. And it's not, it's exactly, exactly how it happened, which is quite uh, scary at times as well.
0: Did you, um, did you end up seeing the, the Australian Danger Close movie about, I, Vietnam.
1: Yeah, I was really uh, fortunate to go to one of the critic screenings um, mm. here in Perth, and yeah, I really enjoyed that. So, um, yeah, you know, that's that was something which I had a different. Uh, I guess going in, I expected something, you know, more mainstream and different. Mm. Um, Me too. But no, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I was. So, um, but I mean. Krueger's is kind of, I guess, one of my heroes, the director of that, you know, because he's gone from Red Dog to then doing a war movie, you know, and that's what I think the director is that you have to be able to go from, you know, like Western, now I'm doing this war film, I've got two more things lined up after this, which is very different again. And I think some of the best directors out there are like Ron Howard, you know, who can do various different things. Um, you know, as opposed to just always doing the same thing all the time. So, and, and that's where an audience, you know, you really bring in different audiences or you have your same audience rocking out because they don't know what to expect with yeah. this new film. they want. Hmm.
0: One thing I, I, I really enjoyed seeing is, is with the Australian film is how, uh, how the Australian public just gets behind any Australian film. Like I know on danger close, there were guys up there that were all ex army volunteers that built all the sets you know, and from seeing the support you've been getting from the articles I've read in the paper about businesses getting on board and stuff like that, I'm really amazed. Have you you found that to be shocking, like how much support you've got?
1: I mean, uh, with some of the shorts I did, I went to, like, the shires and got funding from the shires. Um, And then, like, Decadent, similar sort of thing. And the same with this one with Before Dawn. But, yeah, you go into these, to film in a region, I always say that I need support from the shire the support from the community you need the right locations um and you always find the community support is always the first box that gets ticked straight away you know as soon as they're on board that uh, like the Esperance community for instance we when we went to a, a Shire presentation meeting you know rocked up and and it's like the whole town rocked up you know to support the project that we're pitching like it was just um my dad's got some photos there where we put out uh, like 10 chairs in the chambers. And so you expect to have, like, the because we've got men in sheds on board, for instance, so you, or the rotary clubs and all that. So you expect just the presidents to rock up and that's it. Um, but yeah, it was like the whole bloody town turned up, you know, to go, no, we want this film here. And that's like, a, you know, I, uh, in a way, it's um, uh, without sounding too big hit, I guess, is when I go into the country, a lot of people recognize me, which is great. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're, the first thing they did, like, oh, you know, it's great what you're doing, film, et cetera, and then they are going, they go straight into how can we help? That's always the thing they say straight away. Yeah. And that's what, you know, it's really humbling that we've got that, you know, that amount of support. But, you know, yeah, and that's as big as, like, this one we've got, BP and Caltex you know ford all those guys you know so big big companies um you know we've got support from bunnings and all that and then it goes right down to you know an individual level where someone might be giving you accommodation for a cast member or a crew member for a week mm-hmm. and that what mean essentially without that you can't pull the film off you know and australian especially independent films, we thrive on that um, because, you know, we've been going, hey, look, we've got 5.4 million in kind, which is a lot more since, but we haven't made that announcement yet. But that's where it's like, well, this Deccan Depraved, I, I always say, was a film made by WA businesses and WA communities because that's how it was. And it's exactly the same with this one with Before Dawn because, yes, I've got my crew and we've got our cast, but it's only possible because of the support from Western Australian businesses and communities. So, you know, it's kind of, I look at it and go, if we didn't have all that earthwork sponsored, well, then we'd have no set. You know, if we didn't have fuel sponsored, we could get to set, if we didn't have someone helping with accommodation. So, you know, it doesn't matter how small the assistance is, it's always great, greatly appreciated. But yeah, exactly. You know, without without the support, of the community, you just can't make films. And that's, you know, that's what's brilliant about Australia is that everyone here wants to get behind the arts and everyone really wants films, you know, so it makes our job easy, you know, as producers that, you know, it gives us, uh, it helps us out a lot. Let's put it that way.
0: And you find the talent pool in in WA is good to pull from? In the the way of actors and stuff? Look, The
1: hardest thing with Before Dawn is we had, it was like 3,000 self-tapes for one of the characters, just one character alone yeah. and casting team. And they went, you know, and nutted things down and whatnot. And, um, yeah, we did callbacks. And that was something like that. that. was six in the morning to about eight at night. And that was a couple of days straight. And, and the hardest thing is you rock up and you go, there's just so much talent. And then you have to be able to turn around and say no to people. And it's like, oh, oh. Yeah. you know, can make a movie with, you know, 1,500 cast members everyone can, you know, but, um, but, yeah, that's, that's you know, with me, um, you know, being able to sit on that panel and with the cast and whatnot, and then you really you really have to, uh, you know, you've got to get, when you're casting someone, it's lining all the ducks up in the row, you know, do they suit the part, do they have got the right voice, blah, 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 blah. Um, And sometimes it's really hard because you'll, I mean, even with one of our characters um, who's the younger character in this film, we nailed it down to three people and it was so hard to pick out who we wanted to the point that we did about four or five callbacks before we made our decision. And, you know, that's, we're talking about a 16 year old, you know, so, and that's the sort of talent there is here in WA from 16 and then, you know, even, you know, not talking, professional actors but talking back to that community side of it is that we've got everyone wanting to be extras as well in fact we've got a family driving down from derby to esperance to be an oh. extra in the movie <laughs> so um yeah which they they rocked up to the esperance uh yeah esperance auditions or mm. we have like a in-person casting thing for extras and they rocked up and they said oh you know we're not from esperance we're from up north and I'm thinking salmon gums, you know, an hour away and they're go, yeah. no, going derby. <laughs> Just drifting yeah, out from the uh, Yeah, like, oh, that's it. really? And I was so excited. I thought, you know, and I said if you if we knew you could have done like a video conference thing or something like no, no, we you know, we wanted to drive down and whatnot. So the two boys there are uh, yeah, they're gonna be soldiers in the film and they're all excited and yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be good fun because all the extras are just as enthusiastic as our lead actors are which is great mm.
0: are you using any actors from um decadent and deprived
1: oh maybe
0: maybe okay <laughs> can not leave that one out <laughs>
1: um it's all uh yeah the cast announcements haven't come out yet but okay. uh it's it's been I mean, well, look, we're decking and depraved, you know, working with uh, like Ben Mortley, Michael Muntz, Steve Turner, those guys. You know, Michael, for instance, uh, I went to work with him on Red Dirt. Mm-hmm. And I've him as very much a mentor for me as well. And and I remember telling my parents, oh, I'm working with Michael Muntz. And they, they said, oh, isn't that the dude from country practice? I'm like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> Ben Mortley, McLeod, oh, who? <laughs> yeah. I just saw it as someone that uh, suited the part really well. So it was, you know, after they were cast, I found out who they were and whatnot. And where with Before Dawn, I mean, I was speaking with some actors who in our uh, our studio, we've got posters on the wall and some of these posters have actually got the actors that I'm going to be working with in Before Dawn, which is really... Because, you know, when I was myself and all the executive producers were sitting there to do this uh, Skype meeting with them to break, get them on board after they'd read the script. And, and of course, I'm, you know, nervous as anything because about to meet these, you know, big stars and whatnot. Um, yeah, start having a chat with them. After about five minutes, it's like you've known them for, you know, years. Yeah. Because they're just so... De- yeah, so I'm really looking forward to working while I'm working with them now actually getting on set is going to be uh, a lot of fun and it's going to be a bit of a, you know, I'll be pinching myself, that's for sure.
0: Now, I was on a, I was being filmed on a big production, uh, a Marvel production in Sydney now. It was the first time I was on set and we filmed for about four hours for 20 seconds of... <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, it was very draining. Do you find that on your production as well, that it's taking when you film you, you got you've got that time
1: yeah look i mean it's look, i mean the sheep herding scene you know we're going to be filming a week of that and that's going to be two minutes on screen oh, yeah. um but a week of film it's not necessarily a week of filming but it's a week of getting sheep there it's you know getting them off it's the producing side of it i mean this whole film will be filming about eight weeks which is really really quick but because of the way we're filming and the style and everything we've actually, that's benefiting with the schedule. So it's a tricky, you know, every project's different. Um, You look at deck and the brave, you know, we were filming that over a couple months and that's because we were traveling hours and hours to get out. Someone we'd film for two weeks, come back hours again. So, you know, it, it is that case that then sometimes you'll film for three minutes and that exact three minutes is what you see on screen. So there's never an exact, um, you know, with if anything with Before Dawn, because I'm very much the old school, you know, filmmaking, as I mentioned, I like, you know, proper pyrotechnics, no CGI, yep. you know. So one of the scenes of Polygon Wood, which we've recently just done a press release on, is that I tried the pyrotechnics of the creeping power arch, which is just essentially just bomb after bomb going up the hill towards the um, enemy lines, and the pyrotechnics just weren't doing it. They just didn't look right. So we called up dynamic drill and blasting and a few people that I knew and whatnot. And we're going to actually do it with the proper explosives. Um, you know, so all you know, above board and everything, but being able to do it with the proper explosives, we did a test and I got to see one go off and we're going to have 37 of these explosives minimum going up the hill. Mm. So it's about 20 explosives will go up in 10 seconds. Um, but that's the preparation, the paperwork, you know, mm-hmm. for the sake of this five-second shot on screen, um, that would be easy three, four months just to paperwork. We've been dealing wow. with dealing with different people in that department, um, you know, minds and all that. So it's really, uh, it's pretty full-on for that. And then you'll go to another scene which you'll look at and go, well, that's, you know, the scene where they're running across as a big battle and all that, and that mm-hmm. that's less preparation because it's just pyrotechnics and blocking out where actors are running. So there's no real rule, rule of thumb for it. It's just uh, making sure you've got a lot of time to prep, especially on a production like this. You know, it's, it's um, yeah, e- extra time has been very, very much welcomed.
0: Mm. When I was in the army, all we had to do was get on the radio and make sure there were no airplanes above us when we were we were blowing stuff <laughs> up, you know? It was like, yep, sky's <laughs> clear, set it off, you know? <laughs> But you got, you got um, heavily involved with the, um, with the, was it the War Museum gave you a lot of gear, like a lot of costumes and stuff like
1: that? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, Val, who was there when I was doing Not Their Boots, um, she essentially gave me the stuff, all the uniforms and that sort of thing. And then, uh, you know, and then uh, mum was also my first costume designer. So things like the the uh, Nazi Germany patches and the shirts and all that, we she gave me hair making that, you know, so... Um, but so some the of the actual, costumes
0: were genuine, genuine World War One uniforms.
1: In fact, the one that uh, the character wears um, in, not their boots, that's the genuine World War One uniform, or 100, percent you know, was used wow. in World War One. Except, so it was, yeah, really, especially the actor. He he found it very, um, uh, you know, it got him into character very easily, mm. you know, and so. From that of supporting this one again, I've got a lot of museums actually across Australia. We've got various museums sending stuff across for this film, and being World War One, it is so hard to source stuff because there's heaps of stuff from World War Two around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, hardly anything, you know. Like we're talking the boots, for instance. They're brown boots, and they're like five hundred dollars just for one. Right. You know, for one gen. One boot. So to then say, well, I need to you know dress three hundred extras and wear well, one uniform. Where are we going to get all these boots? So that's where the museums have really come in and given us a hand. Um, which is you know you know I look I look at the stuff they're giving us and I mean even one of the museums I went to I walked in they said look whatever you want even if it's on display uh, you can have it. And with a museum if something's on display it doesn't come out of the cabinet stays there that's yeah. you know their rule and. That- I was like, oh, yeah, we'll see. You know, that's what I saw. We'll see. And I walked in, said, I want that. Can I have that? Can I have that? And they're putting sticky notes on everything. Everything I wanted, they gave us. You know, the production designer and head of prop, you know, they were just shots going, well, that's, you know, and, and even to the point that, um, you know, like having the the machine guns and all that sort of stuff, you know, all that's been approved and everything as well. And I think the reason why so many people they've got behind it in all different areas, you know, government to private sectors is because it's an Anzac story. Everyone's going, well, we have to do what we have to do. If it mm-hmm. takes more paper takes more paperwork because this is an Anzac story, you know, we want to get this story on screen. So which has been great. It really has, you know, to be able to then go, yeah, I want that machine gun on set and we get it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But it's like um, There's some things They won't let me do still Though I mean I want to push the button When the explosives go off But I can't do that Apparently the insurance Doesn't push the button
0: <laughs> All you need to know is this That's it
1: Exactly, exactly But apparently The crew don't trust me enough
0: <laughs> pro- Maybe press it early <laughs> Just give everyone yeah. A bit of a shock
1: Yeah I might get too excited And they'll go We didn't You know You pressed it We didn't hit record yet
0: I <laughs> like out of Tropic Thunder Where they let the big bang go And no one's ready
1: exactly yeah yeah. so or the cast the cast turned around to me and said well we don't want you pushing the buttons on the pyrotechnics because if we've stuffed our lines up in the previous scene you'll be going oops oops you know (laughs) sorry yeah (laughs) so yeah, but anyhow, that's that's the thing, you know. Like I was saying, the cast they're a good laugh. Um, but yeah, but no, they won't let me push the buttons, unfortunately.
0: On a big on a big reduction like this, do you have um, do you have a few ads under you?
1: Yeah, so I've got a first assistant director, second assistant director, third third assistant director, and I've got a PA. Um, so they all do their own stuff. Um, like the AD's been working at readjusting the schedule, which. Um, you Know, I look at that and I'm so glad I'm not doing it because it's just a nightmare. Um, but yeah, I mean, first AD, you know, for those that don't know, keeps the he's essentially in charge on the pro on the on set, he keeps the project rolling. Um, they are the ones that make your movie, you know, they're the ones that go right this is done today and they get it done. Um, and then, yeah, and then I've got the second, third AD, and then like a PA, um, is always brilliant because if I'm you know the third ad is dealing with all the extras but if i want something particular from one extra and the third ad is on the other side of the pa you can run out um you know and they can do it and all our extras are going to have numbers and everything like that yeah. too so it's you know there's um even the for instance the farmer who's giving well one of the farmers giving us our property uh, giving the property to us for our set um He's reckon he's like it's such a huge eye-opener. and I said yeah. Until someone's involved, or on set, or you know lives with a producer, you know knows a producer, um, no one's got, no one has any idea what it takes to make off a movie until they've actually seen it. Um, you know, people sit there and they watch two hours and they go, oh yeah, that was great, blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. and yeah, oh. that, and then you they kind of go. Oh, that was cool how they did that. Cool. And then you then when you turn around and go, well, see, you know, that one scene that took us a month to do because of this, 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 you no know, paperwork, this and that. And it's just like, you know, they that people just don't realise sometimes. Um, which is what's great about having all the community involved because words getting out about how big this, you know, before dawn is and how much is involved in it as well. So yeah. yeah.
0: Being an extra ruined movies for me now because now I sit back and I look at stuff and go wow, they would have moved camera on that scene and it would have taken ages to get that done. <laughs>
1: you know? um, yeah, like, yeah. it's like, uh, it like when we were shooting the rain scenes on Decadent. I didn't envy those. It, you know, they make, because you had Michael and Ben, poor Michael and Ben, minus five degrees. We had a rain machine. Water was hitting the ground at 3am in the morning. It's turning to ice. Like, it was just terrible. But then you sit there in the cinema, it looks great. Oh, yeah. And it's on screen for so that was seven nights in minus five degrees filming, you know, et cetera. And you go, yeah, we froze our nuts off that night, you know, but that's, that's what we do. You know, we love what we do. And as long as it looks good on screen, that's all that matters.
0: Um, I, I, I heard something, uh, I was at the Perth film school and I was talking to a couple of young actors and they, they asked me to ask you um, if what above the line and below the line means when they're on set, because a couple of them have been actors yeah. and they've heard that being said.
1: Yeah. It refers to, like, your crew and your cast and, and your producers. So if you're talking, you know, because I am I make movies more independent, it also means that I don't have to worry about the above the line, below the line stuff. Um, but it's essentially to do with the pay grade, you know, and to do with who, who gets paid. Um, so, like, you're below the line being the crew, you're above the line, which is all to do with... Um, you know, all your costings on set, that sort of stuff as well. Um, where if you're, if, because if you had some like government funding, that's mm-hmm. how they do the st- but if you're making a film independently, well, then you do your own structure yourself. So um, I've been very lucky that I haven't had to worry about the above the line, below the line um, stuff in the past, um, which is great because there's even things like producer offsets, you know, we get, get tax returns and this and that GST returns and all that. Um, and that's the bonus with, you know, independent filmmaking is that we haven't necessarily had to indulge in that too much, um, which is great. Um, but yeah, look. At the end of the day, it really comes down to uh, what type of film you're going into. Because, like the project I'm on, um, after the, after Before Dawn, that's government funded, so that will then follow all the above the line, below the line producers' offset, blah 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 blah. Oh, okay. um, that I won't have to get involved in that because it's that's really when your you, all your tax and all that comes into it, it becomes a big headache. So um, yeah, yeah. That answer the question somewhat. I
0: think so it'll <laughs> be something that the inspiring actors would need to worry about. They'll be like, it's about tech stuff. They'll be like, oh, we don't need to know.
1: Yeah, i is you can see in my face, I'm ready to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. this is the face of the producer at the moment. See? So if you see someone that's a producer, they're always tired because they're always working 24 seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I think we're just about out of time, but if people want to um, follow what's going on with you or, or or anything else or donate or try and where can they go?
1: Okay, so my marketing team have a Facebook page, uh, Before Dawn World War One Film, um, so you can uh, like that, follow that. There's the decadent and depraved Facebook page. Otherwise, you've also got the Prince Wright Productions page. I think the best moment to be following would be the Before Dawn World War 1 film mm. uh Facebook page and then there is a website which is princerightproductions.com um and then you know and there's a few people that I've spoken to who aren't uh, internet savvy uh you know or Facebook savvy and I say to them okay we'll just google prince right we'll just google my name and you'll see everything come up and you can click on the links and follow it that way um, so yeah but you know at the end of the day if, if someone wants to get in contact you know if if they contact through the Facebook page it'll go through to the appropriate marketing team um, but then you know even now I have people contacting me direct over Facebook and you know it may take me a couple of days to get back to you but I will get back to you um, you know because I get a few messages and whatnot but I really do enjoy that one-on-one sort of chat, you know, even with the press. I had some press once, they couldn't believe that they were speaking to me direct and all this, and I thought, I'm not Steven Spielberg, you know, just yeah. message me. Um, but yeah, look, that's the best thing to do is follow on the Facebook pages and uh, keep up to date that way.
0: No worries, and I'll put all the links in the uh, in the podcast notes anyway. Well, thanks for your time, Jordan, and uh, we will be no. waiting for the film to come out.
1: Yes, yes, stay tuned, stay tuned.
0: Alright, see you, mate.
1: See ya.